Hey Generation, just before we begin, just want to let you know about The Big Weekend. It's entitled Holy Ground this year, and we're going to be looking at all things to do with holiness and how we as a generation can set ourselves apart for Christ. This weekend is going to run from the 11th to the 13th of October. Early bird registrations are on now. Click the link in the description or the show notes and get involved. Welcome to Generation Podcast, where we have real conversations about what God is doing in this generation. My name's Josh Mann, and joining me today, as always, is Samuel Haywood, the young adults pastor of St. Paul's Castle Hill. Josh. How are we, mate? Listeners. <laughs> I'm good. Listeners, I'm on, go. listeners on the podcast on the app, podcast uh, Spotify, YouTube. also YouTube as well. I found out that it's actually been on Android the whole time, by the way, in wow. the native Android app. So if you're wow. listening on Android, welcome. Wow. There's a native. Fun fact, seriously. It's been on there the whole time. There's a native Android app. Yeah, for podcasts and it's on there. Wow. Okay. Too easy. Yeah. <laughs> Guess God loves Android listeners. <laughs> that's, that's so good. I wasn't sure for a minute there, but okay. that's good. Yep. That's good. good. Well, if you're listening to us for the first time, as I said, just welcome, guys. Uh, if you're joining us again, uh, we've been looking at idols across uh, the last couple of episodes. Last week, we looked at the idol of approval, and we absolutely got convicted. We got oh, we wrecked. Um, and yeah, we just hope you guys enjoyed that. We hope God is doing a work in your heart as he enlightens you on some of the idols that possibly uh, could be in your heart or in your life. Uh, this week, uh, we're going to be focusing on the idol of community. Brace yourselves. Wow. The idol of community. Now, look, to be honest, uh, when we started this journey, when we started this podcast, I didn't really know that this was a thing. Right, mm. I didn't really know that community could be an idol, um, but as we've been speaking over the last month or so, and as our team has been researching, we've, we've been having discussions. Uh, it's become apparent that this this idol of community is is not just in our immediate circles, but is could be in the church globally. Mm. Um, but we have we've had we have experienced it ourselves. So before we get into it, do you want to introduce us or briefly um, define what community is? Yeah, community, I've I've been finding a really helpful definition of community exists right in the word community, uh, common unity. So this idea of community is that we are people who would congregate around an idea or a place. It's a common unity. And in order to give some examples uh, and articulate that a bit, we can think of uh, some communities that are really robust, for example, and one might be soldiers, now, what I love about soldiers is that they didn't go to war to build community, right? They went to war um, to, to fight for the freedom of their nation. Yeah. But what happened when they were over there was they, become, they became bonded, right, as a community to the degree that when they came back, they created Return to Services League. Is that what it was? Return Soldiers Return services. The there. RSL clubs. Yeah. Um, so that they could continue to spend time together as a community. Yeah. Now, they didn't go to war to build community. And yet what happened was as they were, as they had a common unity together, as they had a common mission together, as they fought together, they laid down their lives, they made sacrifices and that bonded them together. Wow. So community is sharing a common unity. Yes. 
A common unity. Great. How good is def- defining something in the actual word? I know. I don't think you're actually allowed to do that, but it's helpful. <laughs> that's, not a, that's not the official definition, but, no. we'll, but we'll go with that. We'll go with it. And this idea of community, um, as all idols are, as we've been looking at, it was created for a good thing. It was created as a good thing. Mm. Uh, we're actually made for relationships, right? Yeah, we are. I think when particularly quite early on um, in in the Bible, we see kind of two pictures of community. We see one that God is in himself a relational being. So God, at the core of who he is, is community-based. There's a unity or a trinity that, you know, God is three persons, um, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And and part of what it means to be made in the image of God is to be relational beings. So particularly what it means to be human is to be relational or to be in community. And the second picture that we get in Genesis is when God creates Adam, he says, this is all good, but it's not good for man to be alone. Mm. Now, what God did not mean was it's not good for Adam to be without a wife, right? Mm. He meant it's not good for mankind to be alone. And so God created a helper for Adam, Eve, and Adam was then in community and God is actually designed for us to be in community or common unity. Well, together. And, and when Adam and Eve were in the, were in the Garden of Eden, mm. their common unity was God. Exactly. Their common unity was God. So I think a helpful way to see marriages, for example, is, um, you know, it's kind of like a triangle where you've got God at the top and then the two of you um, side by side on the bottom. And that's uh, what Christian community is oriented around. Our unity is Jesus. So that's what creates Christian community is Christ. Christian community without Christ is no unity at all. Wow. Um, And funny you say this idea of Christian community, Mm. uh, because as we've been uh, researching, as we've been talking about this over the last couple of months, it's become apparent that the term community has actually become synonymous with church. Yes. It has. And so when people talk about their church, the first thing they talk about is their community. Mm-hmm. Do you want to flesh that out a little bit? Yeah. There's a, there's a lot of background noise that's kind of undergirding this idea of church is community. Um, particularly, I think we, we exist in a world that needs community. I mean, when I was going to high school, belonging was on the scene and we, we talked about belonging in English and um, we, we live in a world with an epidemic of loneliness, you know, because as the world has, uh, as we've had, we're going to pick up on this later, but digital globalization, as our communities increasingly move more online, we lose a sense of engagement with people face to face and we still want the desire for face to face engagement and so we seek it out and so the church exists in a world where everybody's looking to belong to something everybody's looking to belong to a community and particularly not not getting it and the church actually presents a beautiful form of community to the world with a common unity around Christ. Yeah. And so the church actually brings something into the world that's desperately needed. And that's why I think when we talk about this idea of the church has great community or the church is a great community, it's because a people that are centered around Jesus create a community that is entirely other-oriented. It's entirely self-sacrificial. 
in the same way that Jesus is entirely other-oriented and self-sacrificial. Yeah. Wow. And so this whole idea of Christian community coming to meet together with that common unity of God, yeah. meeting together to praise God, to worship God, right? Yeah. But too often, I think we've seen it in our context mm-hmm. uh, here at Castle Hill, but too often I think we go to church for the community and not God. Yes. It's ironic, isn't it? Yeah. And I think it's a sanctified idol. Okay. What I mean by that is some of these idols that we're going to cover in this podcast are very obviously idols. But an idol by definition is anything that we worship as God that isn't God. Hmm. And I think as I've had conversations with people in our church and with other churches, we've come to this realization that many of us have elevated community to God. And here's here's a way that we can see that this is true, right? At the end of last year, we did a survey to our uh, young adults. And in the survey, we asked a lot of questions, uh, but there were two main questions. And one of the questions was, what do you perceive as our biggest value? And another question was, what do you think is our biggest weakness? The interesting thing is that Almost unanimously, people said community was our biggest value mm. and our biggest strength. But that's good, right? That's good if, if, if community is our biggest strength, if it's focused on God first. Yes. Right? I would have liked the answer to that question. To be God? To have been God. Yeah. Because if you ask a church what's our biggest value, we shouldn't say community. Mm. We should say Jesus. That's true. Uh, and the reason why is because when we ask the question, what's our biggest weakness, people said clicks. Now, how can that be true? How can our biggest value be community and our biggest problem be clicks? If we're focusing most of our attention and our affections on creating community, how can our biggest problem be broken community? Hmm. which is the definition of clicks. And so we got this data in. I remember showing it to our team and we were baffled. We we're like, this doesn't make sense. How can, we, how can we all think that community is our biggest strength and our biggest value? And how can simultaneously clicks be our biggest problem? And I gave it to people on the staff team and for weeks we couldn't figure it out until I started thinking about what is idolatry? Idolatry is putting anything in place of God that isn't God. Community can be an idol. Yeah. And when community is an idol, what do you get? Broken community. Broken community, which is mostly defined as cliques. Wow. And I don't think that uh, this trend is is common to just our church. I think there's other churches going through the exact same thing, right? Uh, because it's awesome to rock up to a place on a Sunday where you feel, belong, where you feel like you belong, where you feel approved, yeah. and very quickly we can go to that place just to feel belong, mm. like we belonged. Um, mm. Right, um, but instead we we should be going to church for God, yeah, and not the community. We're going to flesh that a little later on. But firstly, talking about our culture, how do you think our culture values this idea of community? Yeah, I think in our culture we've been given an opportunity for very specialized community in a way that uh, is unprecedented. And the way that that happened was through the internet. So if we think back a couple of hundred years, or maybe even less than that, your community was defined by your proximity to other people. 
And so whoever happened to live in your town, whoever happened to go to work with you, whoever you happened to grow up with, it was your community. Yeah. You had no choice about it. But what happened with the internet was this thing called digital globalization. Wow, great term. Right? It is a great term. And great term. We need to explain what that is. <laughs> so globalization uh, is basically the world feeling like it's getting smaller because uh, as big industry and as air travel has um, gotten a lot better, we've been able to integrate our lives with the lives of other people and we've been able to do business with other people around the world and it seems as though the world, which is impossibly large, has become incredibly small. Yeah, That's normal globalization. What digital globalization has done is it has allowed us to have relationships with people from London to America to Australia in a, in a second, in an instant. It's allowed us to um, do business with people in other countries and have a company that's a global company, have a church that's a global church, have a community that is no longer defined by time or place, but by whatever we want yeah. because of the internet. Well, interesting enough, like <clears throat> we, we talk about social media and, and that being in uh, a good gauge of what what you what your idols are and thinking about this mm. if you look through my instagram feed right there'd be i love afl so i follow you know i follow the afl official page i follow a couple of players and so if you look through my feed you will notice that i'm sort of cultivating my own afl community, community. absolutely and so the way digital globalization has worked is allowing us to cultivate our own little Subcommunities. Absolutely. And it gives you permission to do that. So maybe, for example, if you grew up in a small country town and you played violin and you wanted to connect with other people who were passionate about violin, you couldn't because maybe you were the only guy in your small country exactly. town that played violin. But what's happened with the internet is you can connect with everybody who loves playing violin. And so what's happened with the world that we live in, particularly through social media, is that our world has gotten much more specific. Yeah. And our communities have expanded at the same time. So, for example, when I was in school, you'd have the, the athletic kids, you'd have the muso kids, you'd have the gamer kids, uh, and you'd have the cool kids. And they were pretty generalized groups. But now you have the AFL kids and the soccer kids and the basketball kids and the soft softball kids and then you'd have in terms of gamers you'd have the ones who play Fortnite, and then you'd have the ones that play call of duty and the internet has allowed us to have these communities wow so it's crazy we've made little niche communities yes very very niche and it's increasingly more niche yeah and do you think this that has uh impacted the way that we uh socialize in the physical not just in the digital as well yes because we're so used to talking to people that have common interests Right, and because we can we can choose to only talk to people that have a very common interest with us. I remember before the internet blew up in social media, you'd constantly be talking to people that didn't share your interests, that didn't care about what you cared about, but you would you would learn about what they cared about so that you could connect with them. And now what's happened is because we can be so selective in our communities, we typically don't talk to people or engage with people very often that have a completely different worldview or a completely different set of interests than us. Yeah, wow. So we, we always talk about, you know, young young people, so to speak. We're <laughs> yeah. young, but there's younger we'll people out that. there. How they, they just talk on their device, they, they're face down instead of face up, face to face. Yeah. But that has also enabled people or empowered people to 
you know, be pretty exclusive in their physical interactions too, right? Is that yeah. what you're saying? So I've I've heard a lot of people saying that kids' birthday parties now are very different to when, when we were in school. When we were in school, we'd talk to each other. But now apparently when you go to a 16th, everyone's on their phones, on Snapchat, on Instagram, talking to their communities. Yeah, wow. It's crazy, right? Wow. So the rise of digital globalization mm. has meant that we create niche communities online. Yeah. And that has actually impacted the way that we create communities in the real world, yes. right? So speaking about how we idolize community, what are some ways that, you know, that what we've perceived, what, we, what have we seen in our culture, our generation, where this is taking place, where we're idolizing community, do you think? In our churches specifically? Yeah, the, from, what we've, from what you have um, seen or, or experienced. Mm. I think uh, for, a, for a Christian, the thing that unifies us as a community is Christ. And so if, if you've grown up, in a church around Christians, it, it's, it can be relatively easy to find community if Christ is the biggest value of that church. And if everyone's equally excited about Jesus, then it can be pretty easy to find community. Um, and I, I came to this church in Sydney, St. Paul's, uh, about a year and a half ago. And coming here, it was the first time that I had joined a church by myself without knowing anybody. And I was so surprised at how hard it was to join a church without knowing anybody. The first week, you know, I walk in through the front doors and I'm greeted by the welcomers and they don't know who I am and I don't know who anybody else is. And I'm relying on them, my first point of call to integrate me into community. And it was scary and it was overwhelming and there was heaps of people. And I'm an extrovert. I'm a pastor. Like I should be used to this kind of thing. And I found it extraordinarily difficult to connect with people because they had been in community for so long. They had so much history together. And my honest experience is that I found it so hard to break into community that there were many weeks after the service finished where, and they say, if someone doesn't come and talk to you after the service, you've got about 15 seconds before someone leaves. So I would wait for a couple of minutes and then I'd be like, I can't, I can't handle this. I'd literally go into the bathroom and sit on the toilet and think, how am I going to handle this? What am I going to do? Um, and that would, that was happening for a couple of months until it got to a point where I realized if this is my experience and I'm an extrovert, I'm a leader, I can't imagine how difficult this is for people who find it hard to break into social settings. Um, and from that point forward, I was like, I have to be able to help other people connect that are finding it difficult yeah right so you were you in a way you were because you, you you found it difficult to connect were you idolizing that opportunity to connect you were idolizing that opportunity to uh, break in so to speak yeah in some ways yes because uh what i didn't think was there are probably other people that are finding this difficult i should take the initiative understanding how they feel and go and seek them out and find them and be community to them that's what i should have done and yet I thought, I'm the new guy. I'm here. People should be welcoming to me. People should be inviting me into their community. I want to be a part of their community. And so I so desperately wanted to be in it instead of creating it for other people that for sure, it's very easy to idolize that from even a point of not having it. 
Yeah, well, wow. and you can rock up to church even not having community, but still idolizing community. Yes, entirely possible because we can think um, a, a good diagnostic to, to ask is if I had this thing, would I then be satisfied? Is is God satisfying enough for me to the degree that I can go and be a blessing to other people, that I can go and serve other people without having been served by anyone apart from Christ in that setting? Uh, and it's entirely possible to do that. It's entirely possible to not be in a cool group and so desperately want to be in it that you're idolizing it just as much as the people that are in it are idolizing yeah. it. So you, you want to be in that group more than you want a relationship with God. Quite possibly a lot of the time. And I think it's the same with money. You yeah. know, you can idolize money. You can be full of greed even when you have $2 in your bank account. Yeah. Because yeah. you can think, well, only if I had $1,000, then I'd be happy. Hmm. All right, everybody, where's going to get a moment? We're not going to get a moment. Let's start that again. <laughs> we're going to have a moment. All right, everybody. We're going to have a moment to get to know our host a little bit better. Josh Mann, your middle <laughs> name on Facebook is Barney. It's correct. Good. Please explain. <laughs> Good story, actually. Because it's not your actual middle name, is it? N- no. Well, I used to be an intern at this church. Someone who used to work at this church was called Anthony Harrison. Tony uh, used to be uh, the lead producer of Why Not Productions. Just a little plug there. But anyway, I was I signed into Facebook on his computer like the very first week I was, I was at church. Rookie mistake. Yeah, I know. And I don't know what I was doing. Anyway, I signed it in and obviously he clicked save of save password when I wasn't looking. And so literally a year later, not even not even on that same week, not even that same month, a year later. He played the long game. The long game. What a hero. <laughs> a year later, I was sitting in uni. I remember it's so vivid, sitting at uni in a lecture and I was getting all these notifications. I was like, oh, I'm so popular. I looked up <laughs> and he literally changed everything to Barney. Cover photo, Barney. Profile picture, Barney. The dinosaur. The dinosaur. Purple dinosaur. <laughs> Profile picture, Barney. Cover picture, Barney. I worked. I lived at Barney. I worked. I was Barney at Barney. Uh, and so literally that is why my nickname is, or my middle name on Facebook is Barney, because when you change your name, you have to wait like 60 days to change it back. And so those 60 days have been and gone, but now I'm just known as Barney. <laughs> Thanks a lot. It's been good to get to know you a little bit better. So we can idolize community when we don't have it and holding that up above, you know, growing our relationship with God, wanting to be part of that community. On the flip side, I think uh, ways or areas which our our generation has um, idolized community is the fact that we have community, we have a close group of friends and we, we don't let people in. Mm. And we put that group as an idol. Would Absolutely. you would you say that's correct? Yeah, I, I think that's very correct. I think a lot of the time we the reason that we do that is because we don't have the common unity. We don't have Christ because, and we can talk about this for a moment. The way that Jesus taught us to do community was entirely, entirely other oriented. Mm. You know, and there are. There are a couple of um, instances in, in my life in which I think I, I, I started doing this well and then I broke it. So when I, when I came to this church, I you know, had that realization that we need community. 
And I thought, well, there has to be other people that are new that are not youth leaders. So they're not getting community on a Friday night that needs something. And so I started this thing called Burger Night. And Sounds like a great night. It was awesome. We, <laughs> we made burgers every Friday night yeah. and we'd, we'd just hang out and we, it would just be an open invite. We'd say, invite anybody who you think needs community. And it was awesome. We did it for probably, I don't know, six to eight months. And a whole bunch of people who were trying to integrate into community um, started coming and finding um, a place, hmm. finding a place. And what happened was I actually needed that too because I was struggling to connect I, I feel like, well, I can create a space where I can connect with people and then they can get connected and it's mutually beneficial and we can have friends and we can have community. But what happened over time was as I got more integrated into the church, I, I found other friends. I found other communities and I began to need that space less Unless you began to need burger night less. Yeah, sorry. I began to need burger night less and less because I thought, well, now I'm in community. I don't need this space anymore. And so after some time, I thought, you know, this is a significant financial cost to me. I've got, I feel pretty integrated in this community. And I, you know, it's probably time that this season is over. And I uh, started hanging out with more people. Now, the difficult thing is, that probably uh, last week, so that, that burger night probably ended close to a year ago. Last week I was talking with some friends and we hadn't caught up in ages and I was like, how are you guys going connecting into our church? And they said, you know, it's been really hard. And they, they were people who came to burger night. Like it's been really hard because we, we haven't found our place. We haven't found our people. We, we feel like no one wants to invite us over to dinner. We're inviting everyone else to our place, but no one's inviting us. And they said, you know, Burger Night was the last time we really felt like we connected in this church. And it just really hit me because I was like, I was so selfish. As soon as I stopped needing this, it was easy for me to lay it down without realizing that maybe other people needed me to be community for them. Yeah, wow. Other people needed me to pour out my life, my time, my mm. money in order for them to feel valued and loved because that's exactly literally what Jesus did. Yeah. And I was like, oh, this should have never been about me. And yet it kind of was. Yeah. When you found community in a broader sense, you didn't. You stopped needing that burger night, therefore you, you got rid of it. But yeah. other people who were attending that actually needed that. Yeah. Uh, and as a result, their place uh, in the church has not diminished, but they, they, they don't feel as welcome. They don't feel as connected as they did previously. Yeah. Wow. Um, and so I think Jesus taught this so much in the Bible, right? It's one of the, the, the easiest things to spot when we look at any gospel uh, in the Bible. And Jesus taught it, talking about the story, you know, he left the 99 to go get the one right, the sheep, the 99 to get the one, and he brought that one back mm. to the 99. Mm. So we taught that, we know that, you know, we can we can talk about all the theological aspects of community, but he actually lived it. He lived it. Um, and yeah, he had his 12, the 12 disciples, he had his close group of friends, and everyone says, oh, in that 12, he also had a smaller group of friends, and that's right. But I think uh, in the church, we can use that fact as an excuse not to let other people in because mm. uh, Jesus had his 12, right? 
And so we can hear that and we go, oh, Jesus had his 12, so you know, I can just have my close group of friends, mm. friends and that's it. Um, but constantly we see or we saw that Jesus opened his house or <laughs> opened someone space, else's house. Someone else's house, sorry. Op- opened a space to let people into that group. Yeah. Right? And that's the definition or sorry, the difference between a clique and a community. Right? So a, a, it's it's okay to have friends. It's okay to have people that you connect with. Yeah. It's okay to have people that you specifically do life with and that pour into you and, and you make each other better and you, as iron sharpens iron, uh, that's, that's community, um, but that's not a click. When a click is a click, it's a click because it doesn't allow other people in. So you can have your group of friends, but if you don't allow other people who need a group of friends to be involved in your group, you are a click. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be every single time, but it just has to be occasionally, right? So they can actually feel like they're welcomed. Yeah. And I think what we see with Christ is that sometimes there's different places. So in private, Jesus would spend time investing into his disciples and having dinner together and likely nobody knew about it. But when Jesus was in public, Mm. he was always inviting people to dinner. And the people that he were inviting to dinner, they were not people that could socially repay Jesus. They were people that Jesus had to take a social hit to serve. So what we see is in, in the New Testament, as Jesus is involving people in the life of the 12, in the public setting, it's always open for people to engage in and people to be a part of. And I think for us, that's the difference. If our group of friends isn't easy for people to break into, then we're probably a clique. If we're, not, if we're in private, sorry, if we're in public acting in the same way that we are in private, then we're a clique. Yeah. So if we're in a church service and we're only talking to the people that we're friends with outside of church, then we've got a problem. Mm. You may just well be idolizing your community and that's it. Yes, absolutely. And you talk about this idea of um, not being able to repay socially. You should be inviting people in that can't repay you socially. How does that, what does that look like in our culture? What does that look like in real life? Yeah, the, the, that concept kind of comes out of a story where Jesus tells a parable about a, a dinner banquet and he, um, in a, in a parable, the, the master sends out an invitation to a whole bunch of people, kind of important people, and they all decline. They all make up excuses about why they can't come to dinner. And so the servants of the house are like, well, what do we do? Do we cancel the dinner party? And the master says, no, I've got all of this food. It shouldn't go to waste. Why don't you invite the people from the streets? the outcasts, the people in the hedges and the byways and the highways and invite everybody and anybody and they can come in and they can eat the food. People who need the food, people who aren't going to be able to pay us back. So in that culture, it's kind of the same in our culture. You would invite people over that made you look good socially. Yeah. You would invite people over that you could have a great conversation with and you would invite people over that would likely invite you back for dinner again. Now, what Jesus is saying in this story is you should be inviting people into your life that can't repay you. Yeah. Or in a social, in a social situation, sorry, uh, 
that you should be talking to people that you don't you, you know is going to be an awkward conversation, mm-hmm. right? You know it's not going to be easy. You're probably going to do most of the legwork because mm-hmm. it's pretty easy to just chat to people where you feel comfortable, right? It's easy to chat to people where you know have a common interest, you know them really well, there's been history, you've known them for so long, and so it's easy to talk to them. Yeah. So when, when we're in public, when we're possibly at the end of a church service, we should be speaking not just to the people we, we see in private but also the people where we might be not taking a social hit but we might have to do more of the legwork because we know that we, we need to do some work to get up to that level. Yeah, um, and that's what—that's when you know yeah. that a Christian community is unified around Christ. Yeah, because there's this—it's kind of having eyes for those people that you're going to just invest in. They're not going to give you—they're um, not going to give you feedback in a conversation. It's going to be awkward. I feel like a lot of the times Christianity it boils down to a willingness to have awkward conversations. So that someone will know that they're loved, cherished, valued, cared about. Because in the world, people aren't doing that. They're blowing them off. And they come to church, people blowing them off. But Mm. what if they came to church and people didn't blow them off? What if they came to church and someone just gave all of themselves to a conversation to make someone feel loved? It's exactly what Jesus did with the tax collector. We little man, you know, climbed up a sycamore tree to see Jesus. Jesus is passing through. As we pass through, it's very easy to not have eyes for the social outcasts. And yet Jesus sees this guy and says, hey, I see you. Come down from your tree. I'm coming over to your house for dinner. Hmm. Do we have eyes for the people that need a conversation? I think personally that resonates with me because I think that's something I've actually always struggled with. Um, And particularly at church, I think something that I've come into, it's been a habit where I just talk to the people that I feel comfortable with, right? And I walk around and you might, you may look busy, you may look like you're on a mission, but ultimately you're just looking for that next person you can talk to that is going to be easy Mm. rather than a tough conversation or rather than a conversation that may be awkward to start with. Um, And we've got to remember that when we have those conversations, it's leading people to Christ. Absolutely. Showing people the love of Christ that we have. Mm-hmm. And so we should be seeking out those people, having eyes for those people rather than just being comfortable in your group, in your conversations that you always have. Um, and that's something that I've actually been working, working through the last um, couple of weeks and months and, mm-hmm. and, and really, um, yeah, thinking through. So I, I know this is, this is something that both of us need to, need to work on. It's something that oh, yeah. uh, our generation needs to work on as well. Um, but moving forward to sort of sum all of this up, how can we, if this, we've recognized that this may be an idol in our community and in our lives, mm. moving forward, is it just to, you need to, do you need to just humble yourself before God and just say, look, God, is this an idol and let him, mm. uh, you know, enlighten, enlighten you? What do you, what do you need to do? Yeah. A couple of things I would say, watch how you act particularly when you come to a church service. Mm. What's your heart posture going in? Are you going in thinking, I am here to be a blessing. I'm here like Jesus to look for the one. I'm willing to leave the comfort of the 99, see that person who's sitting by themselves and just go and sit next to them. I'm looking for the person who has had a rough week and always has a rough week 
And I know if I go and talk to them, they're going to tell me about their rough week. But that's why I'm here. I'm here to tell them that Christ loves them, that God sees them, and to speak truth and hope and life into them. If that's our heart motive going into every situation, we probably have Christ as our core value, right? Because we have the mind of Christ, the heart of Christ. That is the heart of Jesus, is that he sees those people and and loves on them. But if we're going into church thinking, where are my friends? Man, where, where are my people? How I just want to have a great time. It's all about me. Then we are idolizing community. Yeah. And we have to come to terms with that and think the consequence of us idolizing community is that people will come to our church. They will find it difficult to connect. They will leave and they will feel that the church didn't love them. That's the consequence of us idolizing community. Mm. And what we need to do is we need to say, what if we focused on Jesus with everything that we have? If we don't worry so much about how to fix all of these things, we need to realize that the answer is just look at Jesus. Continue to pursue Christ. And as you pursue Jesus, he will be the satisfaction that you need. He will will fill your heart. He'll be everything to you. And when that happens, you suddenly start to realize, I don't need the approval of people. I'm going to fight for the truth. I'm going to be a blessing. I'm going to be a community. I'm going to use whatever God's given me to pour out into other people. And it will change everything. Yeah, wow. So we need to change our posture when we walk into a public setting, not just church, but if we go to a party or anything else, we need to change our posture why to, to serve. Yeah, why am I here? We're here to serve. We need to uh, make sure people encounter the Holy Spirit through our interactions with them mm. rather than just consume, right? Absolutely. Rather than just take everything for ourselves, we need to go out and we need to serve. Yeah. Um, and when you look at Jesus, that's exactly what he did, right? Uh, he did that in the Gospels, but he laid down his life exactly in that manner. He left the comfort of heaven. He left perfect unity with God in heaven, perfect comfort to come, to come down to earth to pursue us. Yeah. And he, isn't that amazing? And he pursued us knowing that we couldn't repay him. That's exactly right. This is It all boils down to the Gospel. When you understand exactly that, that you were the awkward outcast who couldn't pay Jesus back in any sense of the word, and yet he left heaven and pursued you, found you, and brought you into his family, you'll recognize that I was that awkward guy that nobody wanted to talk to. I was that idiot that could never repay God back, and I still am. And he still loves me and involves me into his community. It's almost sacrilegious for us to not do that for other people because Christians literally mean we're little Christ. We're called to do that, to live the gospel, to preach the gospel to people. That means leaving the comfort of our worlds, seeking out those people and inviting them back in to our lives and into our places. Wow. I think that's a perfect way to finish. We need to focus on Jesus, what he did. He left the comfort of heaven to pursue us. So we need to leave the comfort of our comfortable conversations and speak to those people who need that love, who need the love of Christ and who need to be welcomed into a family. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much for listening, guys. We hope uh, you've been encouraged. We hope you've been convicted like we have. Mm -hmm. Uh, But you really need to remember that we are on a journey together. 
We're on a journey to pursue Christ like nothing else, to see Him face to face. So thank you so much for, for listening today. But remember, renewal in our generation must start with renewal of our hearts.